Thank you for listening to In Tech Today. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast app, but only after you've listened to this week's episode. Tech news and views. Recorded live in London. In Tech Today. In this episode of Intech Today, first they took our liquids, now they're taking our laptops. Electronic ban on some flights around the world. Speaking about flights, we're going to be saving you a bit of dosh on your travels. And our techno dinosaur is back with a question about her home broadband. As always, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, And on Twitter, at Pod at J-W-O-O-O-T, and at SwiftyNZ. I'm Ed Swift. And I'm Josh Weiss. And this is Intech Today for the 23rd of March, 2017. Hello. Hello. Happy Thursday. Thank goodness it's Thursday. Nearly Friday. Nearly the weekend. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. I know. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm t- I've actually got Friday night off work. I'm, I'm doing a breakfast shift at work tomorrow, so Whoa. it means I actually get to finish my day at around 11 a.m. and nice. can go home, nap, and enjoy a Friday night. Ed works at McDonald's. Yep. <laughs> Would you like breakfast fries with that? Does that finish at 10.30 or 11 here? Well, it's ten, no, 10.30 here. Oh, I know. It's way too I early, just miss especially out. at a weekend. Maybe I should just skip out of work for five minutes, <laughs> go get some late McDonald's breakfast then. There's a good Mac is at Waterloo Station. Well, it's pretty close. Yeah. Bacon and egg McMuffin. Oh, yes. With a sausage patty as well. Always seems like a good idea at the time, and then I regret it, um, uh, internally regret it see, afterwards. See, what I regret as I'm eating it, I'm like, yep, I'll have that. And I'll have a ha- and I'll get a meal, and I'll have an extra hash brown. And then you get to that extra hash brown. It's like this is so good, but I can't eat anymore. Do not need this. No. <laughs> and that's why we skip lunch. Do we? <laughs> no, we don't. I didn't agree to this. <laughs> um, well, the good news is uh, I'm not recording this podcast so far on here, but it's okay because we've got two other ways to capture the audio. So okay. that's no problem. I completely forgot that. That's fine. Um, that's okay. <laughs> Should we start recording that bit now then? Um, no, it's fine. Okay. What's the point now? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, should we get on with the show then? I think we should. So we've got, uh, we're talking about banned electronics. Yep. We're talking about saving money on travels. And, a bit, and our techno dinosaurs broadband dinosaur. question. Yeah. With a bit of news on broadband as well. Just Ooh. very, very short. Very, it's related. It's, it's, a, it's a warning, really. Bring it on. Now, uh, 10 years now, I think, just about 10 years, we have all been traveling around the world and very, very carefully uh, measuring our liquids and making sure they're labeled properly and putting them in uh, bags, plastic bags. The, the, the annoying bags. thing at the airport that you have to do, it's like, yeah. I want to take that bottle of shampoo, yeah. but it's too big. The worst part is trying to find sunscreen that measures less than 100 mils. That is the worst. Uh, Especially when you're going away. Yeah. Yeah. Like to a to a sunny destination, you know you, you're going to need more than 100 mils. Yeah, and but you're cheap, you're, so you only got carry on only. Exactly. <laughs> and and you know I don't necessarily trust uh, the cheap sunscreen I can buy in Morocco, for example. It's um, yeah, yeah. But how does it, how does this all relate to technology? <laughs> this is the big question. Well, ten years of the liquids ban. Now uh, some flights from some destinations are facing an electronics ban. A ban of laptops and tablets uh, and reportedly cameras and basically any electronic device larger than a smartphone uh, on flights from a number of Middle Eastern countries. And this was first announced in the US, the UK... Whoa, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Explosion, live explosion on air. Uh, The UK has followed suit. 
Um, and so from Saturday, apparently, flights, direct flights to the UK from Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, Tunisia, and Saudi Arabia. You will not be able to bring any uh, of those electronics apart from your cell phone on board uh, inside the cabin. That seems a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Why, yeah. why, why have they done this? Um, well, they say they haven't really given a lot of information, so it's kind of hard to talk about the reasoning. They say uh, it's a response to a threat, in inverted commas. Um, we don't know what that threat is. I guess looking at it, though, we've seen that it's coming from these airports, uh, uh, a number of airports which have historically been in areas where security might be uh, a bit more relaxed or easier to infiltrate uh, than, say, the several lines of defense you might see at Heathrow or JFK. Mm. Um, but it's um, it's been out of the blue. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. It's been completely out of the blue. So it's any device larger than 16 centimeters by 9.3 centimeters. So enough for a plus-size smartphone, but anything bigger. Yeah, I, I guess so. Let's, in fact, let's look up the dimensions of the uh, bush. Because... In theory, that means that an iPhone, uh, your standard iPhone could get through, but your iPhone 7 whatever plus could just fall just a little bit over those dimensions, which means that you then have to put that in your checked baggage, assuming you're flying on an airline where you have a checked bag. You know, a lot of people these days uh, fly uh, budget airlines, which means you have to pay for that extra bag. Or even if you're just going away for a weekend, you may not want to have to deal with a checked bag bag even if it comes free. I hate dealing with check bags if I'm just going away for a day or two. Mm. I don't need a whole lot. I don't want to have to check in a whole lot. Um, you don't want to have to queue up for the check-in line exactly. just to jump, dump that bag that happens to have your phone in it. Exactly. So the Bush E4X here, which is quite a big phone, yep. um, that's 15.5 centimeters by 7.55 centimeters. So that would fit. And based on those dimensions, I'd imagine uh, the plus size iPhones would be okay as well. Yep. But anything bigger than that, eh, Maybe not. It's just such an annoyance, cause especially if you're doing those long haul flights. Um, you know, you you take a tablet with you. You can you either want to be reading a book, uh, watching something on your on your tablet. Yep. You know, you don't you don't want to have to be stuck with just sitting there in your airplane seat, stuck with whatever's on the in flight ent- entertainment. If you're on an airline that has in flight entertainment. Yep. Um, and just whiling away the hours. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, business ramifications for this. There, I mean, these are countries uh, which could very easily be described as oil-rich, I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. agree. Yep. Uh, a lot of money flowing between these countries and the UK and the US, which means a lot of uh, people in control of that money um, or dealing with that kind of money flying between the UK and the US and these countries. Um, and these are the kinds of people who need to be able to work on the flight because, mm. you know, eight hours of dead time not being able to work is not very productive. No. Um, so how it's going to affect uh, perhaps business relationships between these countries, who knows? Um, on top of that, there'll be issues for employees that have a very strict um, policy on work IT equipment mm. which say you know you have to be with your laptop at all times while traveling that you can't actually part with it to put yeah. it in the checked baggage there'll be implications there as well well and travel insurance implications of of putting your devices in in the hold i mean that brings up the whole thing uh i mean this 
potentially includes large cameras, mm. um, which a lot of traveling people take because they want nice photos on yeah. their travels. Um, would you put your camera, which I, I presume, I mean, I've seen your camera, Ed. It's quite large and expensive, if yep. I may say so. Yep. Thank you. Would you trust putting that in the hold? No. Every, and every time that, um, you know, if we're flying Ryanair or EasyJet and they say, look, can you put your bag in the hold? I always say no because it's got a very expensive camera. Yeah. Admittedly, it's not as expensive as other cameras out there. But it's my camera. I don't want to be parted with it, and I don't want anyone else to just be chucking it in the hole. Yeah, and and a lot of travel insurance policies will say uh, that your things, your uh, perhaps sensitive or fragile electronic devices, won't be covered if you put them in the hold. Because, and again, we've all seen how baggage handlers treat those bags uh, on on the on the tarmac. Yeah, uh, they're tossed around like. They don't matter at all. Yeah. Put it this way. I, I wouldn't want my camera to be uh, just tossed around. I certainly wouldn't want my laptop, which is already starting to get a little bit fragile, <laughs> uh, to be tossed around. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it does have massive implications here. What about the idea that, you know, once you're parted from your electronics, what what's to stop someone... Find, you know, scanning your bag saying, oh, there's a laptop there. We want to check out what the information that's on that laptop, on that camera, on that hard drive, on whatever. There's nothing to stop people doing that, ob- obviously. Um, and tinfoil hats on here, by the yeah, way, guys. tinfoil hats. There's nothing to stop that happening. Of course, there have been uh, a, a massive number of reports, actually, especially out of the U.S., um, of people being stopped at the border and not allowed through the border until they give border agents access to their devices, which in, in I see as a massive invasion of privacy. Totally. Um, and, and a lot of them are U.S. citizens as well. They have every right to be entering the U.S. They shouldn't have to give over their uh, their details mm-hmm. um, and access to their accounts um, just to yeah just to just to get home mm. essentially um, there's also nothing to stop baggage handlers uh, scanning your bag and saying oh there's a laptop in there that looks quite nice I'm not baggage handlers we're not I'm sure accus- they're lovely people I know we're not accusing um, you of being uh, of being dodgy no but it, when something's out of your sight you don't have control over it yeah um, and, and, and that's the issue. So uh, I guess the the silver lining is that this ban is only affecting a small number of airports in a small number of countries at the moment. Um, but, you know, will it will it expand? Who knows? Well, I, I take you back to what you said at the very beginning. You know, we had that liquids ban that was always meant to be temporary. Yeah, and maximum been, of two years. And it's been 10 we years now. Is this one likely to be temporary, do you think? Well, I think it's... I mean, the liquids ban... At the time, it seemed like a massive annoyance. It still is quite a big annoyance, but uh, we're all used to it, and we can get around it, and we can still carry the liquids we may need on the flight. Um, and it's actually been a boon for cosmetics companies because now they can produce tiny bottles of things and charge them the way same too price. much for it. <laughs> um, but this electronics ban, I think, you know, you can't just say no laptop. Um, you'll just have to get by with your smartphone. Smartphones can do a lot of things that laptops can do uh, and that tablets can do. Um, and that and that cameras can do, but mm. there's a reason people still carry their laptops and their cameras. They need them, um, and they don't want to part with them or have to put them in the hold. So I think um, I think unlike the liquids ban, uh, it's not tenable for this to keep going. Um, and and I really hope it doesn't, because this if if it expands beyond the small number of airports that I mean most of our audience are pr- probably not that likely to be travelling to. Mm. Um, so at the moment, it's not going to affect a huge number of people. But um, if it does expand, no good. Mm. No good. 
Well, you may remember a few uh, months ago, we looked at ways to save money uh, while traveling. Uh, just mm. to recap, in case you missed that one, um, what you need to do is go to intech.today and find that podcast yes. and have another listen to it. Yes. But the short summary is there are sites like Skyscanner, like Kayak, which will search a whole lot of airlines for you, a whole lot of travel companies, find the cheapest deals for you to get from A to B and then to C if needed. You're basically um, allowed to be your own travel agent these days, aren't I know. you? And it's fan- absolutely fantastic. But there are a few tricks. So, for example, using incognito mode, so there's no, so the website can't remember that you were actually there and thinks you're a brand new customer. So we'll give you the cheapest flights possible, and then start incrementally yeah. putting them up. We've, um, my partner and I, we've just booked a massive trip to Boston and New York nice. via Ottawa nice. and Frankfurt. So it's a bit of a roundabout trip to get to the US, but. Again, done through Skyscanner, done through Incognito. We managed to get decent flights for around about uh, just under £400 each. Which return. Is return, which is Fantastic. pretty good. Yeah, for, a, and then, for a long haul. And then paying, I think it was £40 to get the train from Boston to New York. Which that's, is, an, that's apparently quite a nice train ride, too. It should so. be a nice little afternoon, yeah. afternoon jaunt it's, over uh, stateside. It's the best, it's the closest thing America has to a high-speed train. <laughs> Anyway, so that's one way we've saved a bit of cash. But I want to talk about another way you can save cash while saving. Yeah. Uh, while, while traveling, sorry. Well, I like to save while I'm saving as well. well I mean, that's, that's generally a good thing to do, to <laughs> yeah. save while saving. Um, but it's looking at saving on accommodation. Uh, ah. Again, it used to be that you had to go to the travel agent. You'd have to say, I want to go to this place. Specifically, book. this hotel as well, often. Yeah. yeah. Or if you had no idea about hotel, you would take their recommendation. Yeah. Um, no matter the cost. Exactly. This is the thing while we were looking at this trip, we thought, okay, well, let's go to a travel agent just to see how much it's going to cost and if they have any recommendations. How did that go? Um, so I think we've paid for our trip all up, including accommodation around £1,200. For both of you. For both of us. <laughs> the travel agent yeah. wanted to charge us £3,800. Yeah. Actually, our, our actual cost may have been close to 1300 But... A massive difference between what a travel agent wanted to wanted us to pay yeah. and what we could just do by booking it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to a few websites. Um, firstly, Airbnb. This has sort of been coming up and coming for the last few years. We've, you've used it quite a bit, haven't quite you? Quite a bit. It's a very controversial website. I guess we have to say that off the bat. But it's a, basically you're renting a room in someone else's place or someone else's entire place yeah. and completely skipping the tourism industry altogether. It's um, You could describe it as the Uber of accommodation. <laughs> um, you are connecting with someone else uh, who's just an independent business person and they're providing you a service for a fee you've agreed. It's, it's effectively just a short-term rental agreement. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's fantastic. You know, if you're going to a place for a week and don't want to have to be forking out for a hotel for mm-hmm. that whole week, yeah. uh, you can easily just say, well, look, let's just rent a place. Let's, it'll have a kitchen. It will have bedrooms. It'll yeah. have a lounge. We can actually, you know, spend time at that place without thinking we're spending time in a hotel room. You can be well, that's, like, we're yeah. spending time in a home. That's, uh, that's important to us even for, for me and my partner when we go away for the weekend. We like to have uh, a kitchen and uh, just, you know, the full service that you can get in, in a residential apartment. Mm. Um, because we like to cook our own food. Uh, we don't like to have to pay through the nose for hotel breakfasts. As delicious as a hotel breakfast buffet mm. is, they're expensive. Um, so we we do prefer apartments to hotels, but traditionally holiday apartments, you pay per week, you pay quite a lot for them. Airbnb has allowed you to find ones per night, 
in your price range. So it's a, it's a good, um, it's a great use of tech, really. Mm. And thinking about our, we went to Nice last year mm. uh, with a whole lot of friends. It's fantastic if you're going with a large group because you can just hire a place for everyone that has enough bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a shared space that you can all just hang out in during the day or at night if you want to have dinner, takeaways, whatever, yeah. um, without having to worry about trying to meet up somewhere and everyone being staying in different locations. Yeah. So meet you in the lobby. Airbnb <laughs> does have its advantages yeah. uh, in that respect. Plus. A lot of the time, it's cheaper than a hotel, as you yeah. mentioned. You know, it, you mentioned it's cheaper than hiring a, a, a you know a, a hotel apartment for yeah. a week, yeah, or a um, resort, something like that. Yeah, per night, it works out depending on the place to be a lot, a lot cheaper. Yeah. The other site we looked at, um, as I mentioned, we're going via Ottawa, so we have twenty-two hours in Canada. Right. Um, Ottawa, not known for being a major tourist destination. No, but a great <laughs> stopover location when you're trying to get to Boston. Uh, well, yeah, it would be. And on, a cheap, on relatively cheap flights. Uh, well, and again, flights to Canada are relatively cheap. Yeah. So. so we've ended up with a stopover in Ottawa, which is fine, And the stop, but the stopover is 22 hours. So we arrive on a Saturday night, we fly out to Boston on the Sunday night. So we've got okay. uh, just under a day in Ottawa, but we've also got to find a place to sleep. Yeah. Airport on, floor, not quite up to your standards. Well, no. Plus, <laughs> the, I was looking it up, I was thinking, could we stay on the airport floor? Would that be okay? No. Um, I was told uh, by the... Uh, airport's website that no they close off air sign after a certain point in time so you'd have to go back through security on top of that i'm pretty sure i got an evil look from my partner rebecca uh who said no we're not sleeping on a floor we are going out yeah no well that's fair i've my airport sleeping on floors days are over after having spent i think a total of four nights on the floor of kuala lumpur international airport wow four nights not not in a row yeah i might add but this was uh, within a couple of weeks flying back and forth from various places it's, mm. it's not fun is it um you do what you have to do when you try to save money right yeah but there is a, a site out there. So we looked up uh, this website, hotwire.com. Um, okay. And Haven't heard of this one. It's a fantastic website. It's, it's basically offering you cheap deals without telling you which hotel you're booking. So you go to the website, you say which city you want to be in, uh, the dates of your stay, um, and then it will give you, it will show you a map of the area and sort of give you areas about where you can stay. So you click on the area and it will give you options whether you want to book a two-star hotel for a price, a three-star hotel for a price, a four-star hotel, or a five-star hotel. Okay, but it doesn't tell you the hotel. It won't tell you the hotel. So you have no idea whether you are booking uh, the Grand Sheraton plus Langham, whatever. <laughs> um, or the Best Western. Or the Best Western. As long, you you will know that it's either a five-star, yeah. a four-star, or a three-star, depending does on Does it tell you after you've booked, though? It or does. Or does it just assume, like, go to this area and find where you're staying? That could be kind of fun. <laughs> Luckily, it's not as much of a mystery as that. It okay. does tell you the second you've paid. Right, okay. This is the hotel you've paid for. Of course, there are risks here. You know, it is a non-refundable uh, purchase. There's no there's no flexibility in it. You can add on an extra day after you've booked. Yeah. But once it's booked and it's paid for, it's booked and paid for. Yeah. So you, the only way you can back out is if you cancel it and lose that money. Yeah. So we ended up booking a, I think it was a three-star hotel okay. in central Ottawa. Right. So very good location. Yeah. Canada's not cheap. Yeah, for about 40 quid. Looking oh, at the other hotels right. in the area through other websites. It's you know, than the Premier Inn. Exactly, and you'd be paying £100 plus yeah. um, for any other hotel in yeah. that area. Speaking about that, there is one other site you can check out. Um, there are, uh, similar to Skyscan, there are websites that will aggregate uh, a whole lot of yeah. hotels for you. Trivago. Like Trivago, Booking.com. Hotels.com. Um, even TripAdvisor yeah. will be able to show you what the yeah, prices are across those aggregators. So TripAdvisor is more like a an aggregator aggregator. The aggregator of aggregators. Yeah. Um, so a- Agavag. 
so that's always a good way. You know, you can look at the map, you can see where you want to stay, see how much things are going to cost for those nights. Yeah. Um, and you plus the advantage to things like TripAdvisor is you get to see real reviews from yeah. actual people that stayed there. So you can know whether you're getting a great hotel or whether it just looks nice in the photos and actually there's bed bugs. Always read the reviews, by the way. This is one of the beautiful things of the internet, um, is you don't have to rely on a hotel's advertising anymore. You can see just how terrible other people's experiences were. Or how great they were. Or, well, yeah, yeah, or how great. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, confirmation bias always leads... I mean, p- people don't go online and take time out of their day to review a good experience, generally. No. Um, so when you see... But when you see a lot of bad reviews, you know, yeah, not so good. So my plea for you guys listening and watching to this... Uh, if you have a good hotel, please leave a review so I know where to stay next time I'm yeah. going to somewhere. That'd yeah. be fantastic. Uh, but so there are a lot of options to find out good places to stay yeah. uh, and places to stay while saving a lot of money. Hotwire, um, sites like TripAdvisor, and of course, Airbnb. You'll yeah. be able to save a few quid, which leaves you more time for more money for a lot of activities in the city you're staying in. Now, just very briefly before we get on to Techno Dinosaur, we've got tech news. Ooh. Tech news from this week. Um, and it's on, uh, of all subjects, Ed, broadband. Yeah, we haven't done broadband in a while, have we? Not since a week ago. No. Um, Seven old days. Now, it's more of a PSA as well, because basically, uh, BT, British Telecom, or British Telecommunications, uh, their budget brand is Plusnet, uh, which was formerly an independent Yorkshire-based ISP. They bought it up a few years ago, and now they uh, use it as their independent, uh, well, semi-independent, autonomous, I guess we'll say, mm-hmm. budget brand. Uh, kind of like what Skinny was to Telecom back yeah, in New Zealand? or still is to Telecom is. back in New Zealand, yeah. Um, so basically what's happened this week is Ofcom, which is the regulator for telecommunications, has fined Plusnet uh, £880,000 for wrongly billing more than a thousand former customers. Well, Basically, what, what do you happened, mean by wrongly billing? Tell me more. Yeah, what happened? So let's, hypothetical, I'm with Plusnet. Okay. Uh, and got a broadband service. Now I'm changing to another provider. Mm-hmm. So I cancel Plusnet. Okay. Um, and I start paying my other provider. That makes sense. But I look at my bank account and I realize for the last six months, since I canceled Plusnet, I've also been paying for Plusnet. Okay, so you've been charged for an internet connection you have and then an internet connection you uh, left. Yeah. How? Um, basically, their systems were just terrible. That's what Ofcom have said. Their systems were not good enough to recognize when a customer had cancelled, which to me seems like uh, it should be a very basic part of a billing system. I'm sorry, did they not know that you can't... Did you not, like, when you dealt with this, did they think, oh, no, they're just getting an extra internet connection? Well, that's it. When you change internet providers, the your new provider tells the old provider that you're leaving, um, and so there's, there really is no excuse. Even if you haven't told Plusnet you're leaving, your new provider has. There, there really is no excuse. So over a thousand customers were wrongly billed continuously. Now the terrible thing is Plusnet have cooperated with Ofcom in the investigation and they have tried to reach out to all of the former customers, but they could only get to a very small proportion of whoa, them. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean these customers? Yeah. Former customers? Yep. Which were being... Uh, which were paying Plusnet, yeah. they couldn't track them down. No. They've got like no details for a large portion of them. Which doesn't make any sense to me, because if they've been billing them, then they they've clearly got their still bank have their bank accounts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Plusnet apparently, and Ofcom have corroborated this, could only refund a small number of um, customers, and they've donated the rest of the refunds to a number of charities. 
Um, but they have been fined £880,000. The Ofcom have said they've seen the new system. It shouldn't happen again with Plusnet. But you never know when this kind of thing happens. So my advice based on this news is just check your bank account regularly and make sure you're not paying for anything you don't have anymore. I still don't get how they couldn't just put it back in the bank accounts. Just no put the money idea. back to where it came from. That makes sense. I don't know. But watch your bills, Ed. I'll watch my bills. Watch your bills. I'll check that I haven't been rebuilt. <laughs> It's time for the Techno Dinosaur. Yes, the Techno Dinosaur. She back. Um, and she's asking about... She's got some issues with uh, her home broadband this week. Wait, another broadband? We, we More broadband. Done, we haven't done broadband in a while. Not since 30 seconds ago. Um, yeah, Michelle's here. Broadband question. Hey, Josh and Ed. It's Techno Dinosaur here. Um, I'm having trouble with my broadband. It gets slower in some parts of the house, and sometimes it drops out completely. What can I do? Should I buy a new router? No. No, no. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the answer. Well, that was a great podcast. Thank you for... Yeah. No, sorry. It sounds like Michelle's in front of a jet engine. <laughs> don't know where she is asking that Maybe question. Maybe she's in the queue for airport security trying to figure out what to do with her laptop. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Um... So no, don't don't buy a new uh, no. Don't, don't buy a new router. You need to buy a new router. No. Um, the only case where you'll need to or want to buy a new router is if you are a bit of a tech head like us, um, and you know what kind of router, what kind of antenna array, that sort of thing you need. Chances are very high you don't um, know what kind of antenna array or uh, number of antennas or m multiple in multiple out settings you need. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Even even I even I don't use a specialist router. I'm just using the one using the one that the ISP gave us. Yeah, and um, it works fine. And if your router that the ISP gave you uh, is no longer working, or you're finding it's not giving you good performance, chances are you're on an older router from them. Mm -hmm. Give them a call. Uh, tell them you want the newer router. If they try to charge you for it, just threaten to cancel. Yeah. Um, and see what they do, um, because these routers really cost the uh, internet providers. Of, probably a few pounds each from China, mm. um, and they should be able to give you a new one. So first step is make sure you've got the latest model router and that it's all working yep. properly. If you're finding your internet is dropping out despite having a relatively new router or um, you know being still being connected to the router but finding that you can't connect to the internet, then that signals that there's an issue with your line, yep. um, which means you need to call, again, call up your ISP, yeah. say that you're having this issue, yeah. they'll be able to look into it and they'll be able to actually tell when the connection is coming and going yeah. and either fix something on their end, tell you to do, they may even tell you to do a few things like plugging it into a different socket. Yeah. Um, there will also be a troubleshooting guide uh, if you can't connect to the internet. Yeah. Chances are that will come up and say, let's go through a few steps and then if those don't work, then you need to call your ISP. Yeah. Always plug into the master socket, by the way, when you're trying to troubleshoot, because if you're not plugged in, basically the master socket is the point where uh, open reaches responsibility ends and your responsibility as the resident of the house begins. Mm. And if the problem is after the master socket and in your house and they send an engineer around, it's going to cost you a bit. Yeah. So check the master socket. Um, if you are finding it a bit patchy in parts of the house, and this is a problem we've had uh, here in the past, uh, it's fixed now because we've got quite a good router with a new broadband connection, um, you can look into a solution called Powerline. And what Powerline is, is you buy a Powerline kit, which is, I'm holding up fake power lines here for the camera. Um, it's basically <laughs> two plugs that plug into wall sockets. Yep. Uh, one plugs into a wall socket next to your router and then uh, plugs into your router with a, an ethernet or data cable. Um, and then you plug the other end into another part of your house, uh, wherever you need that extra broadband signal. And it uses, very cleverly, and I still think this is magic, it uses uh, the power cabling in your house 
as an internet network um, to extend your internet. So it means that it will pick up the signal at one end and will actually run it through a cable. So it's not doing it via Wi-Fi or anything. No, it's through the power cable. Because um, and and apparently it's a very old technology because the power companies have been sending signals down the power line since about the 1920s, um, you know, to tell your power meter when is on and off peak hours and things like that. And mm. this is just essentially an extension of that. So you can use your power lines. You don't need to run nasty cables through the house. Mm. So power line is a brilliant technology. And you don't want to use Wi-Fi extenders. No, either. I was no. about to say, do not do not buy one of those single Wi-Fi extenders. I've seen quite a few people with them in the house. The problem with that is you plug it in somewhere where you've got patchy Wi-Fi signal and it says it will extend your Wi-Fi signal. But you plug it in somewhere with patchy Wi-Fi signal, it's just extending a patchy Wi-Fi signal. It's not improving it in any way. So at least a power line is taking the signal directly from the router and beaming it down a a wire to the room where you want it. Whereas a Wi-Fi signal... It's just going to extend a poor poor connection. So there are a few tips uh, for our Techno Dinosaur and for you guys at home as well. As always, um, you know, if you do have any questions for us uh, that we might be able to answer, you can uh, get in touch with us as well through Facebook or Twitter. Facebook or Twitter. Um, we don't check the emails, do we? We have email. Uh, don't email us. <laughs> uh, that's that's the podcast. That's all the time we have uh, for, for another today. week. For another week, we will be back next week. I'm not, I'm not running away just yet to yeah. on our Airbnb and Skyscanner flights yet. Yeah. Um, but we will be back next week, same time. Uh, no, later, at, at our normal, normal time. Normal time, 2.33-ish. So where you can watch the stream on our Facebook page. And yeah. as always, you can download the podcast through your usual podcast provider. Yes, it will be available later this evening. GMT. Um, Unless you've downloaded the podcast and then it's available now. Yeah, you're listening to it right now. Yeah. Of course. Thank um, you for listening to us right now. Thank you. Um, must also say, please uh, find us on YouTube. I'll put a link up to our YouTube channel uh, on the Facebook page and on the Twitter over the next few days. Find us on there. We've got some videos coming out. It's going to be great. And finally, I do have to finish by saying happy birthday to this guy here. Ed. Oh, thanks. Happy birthday. I didn't, I didn't bring you cake. I've got flapjacks over there. Oh, flapjacks. We can have a little post, uh, post-podcast party. All right. We're going to have a flapjack production meeting now, and um, we'll see you next week. Technology questions? Comments? You can contact the show on Facebook, In Tech Today Podcast, on Twitter, In Tech Today Pod, or at the website, intech.today.